This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be in this lovely Sunday, at least here, pretty lovely in L.A., I got to tell you that. Now, we had a lot of overcast here in L.A., so that's, it's great when you wake up in the morning and it's already, the skies are completely blue, there's no fog to burn off, and uh, that's kind of uh, the kind of day it is today. I'm Dr. Jeff Weber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. The key there is ask the vets. We want to hear from you. So I'm going to give you a couple of ways to do that. Number one. Give us a phone call, toll-free, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Another way is to join us here on Zoom. I kind of like this way better because I get to see you and I get to see your pet. More importantly, no offense. So uh, what you do is you want to go on to PetLifeRadio.com. You click on Shows. You scroll. You find Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. You click on that. That's me. And there is a Zoom link left for you there. All you got to do is click on it. It's that easy. So, uh, and then hopefully you'll have your pet on your lap with you, whatever. Anyway, it's a great way to communicate. But because I know many of you are shy, or maybe you happen to be in the car listening and you can't pull over and join us here live, or you're watching the podcast after the fact, so you can't call in live, that's all good too. Really, it is. We want to help you out. So, I uh, like to go through the week's uh, news. There, there are two news uh, kind of agencies. They're not agencies. They're organizations. One is the American Veterinary Medical Association. That is our kind of our basic veterinary medical group that kind of rules over our profession. And they have a weekly, it's called the AVMA Smart Brief. And then AHA, American Animal Hospital Association, uh, which is sort of, yeah, AHA is the gold standard of hospitals. It's kind of like the good housekeeping seal. Not to say that if a practice isn't AHA, it's a bad practice. Not at all. But we have to jump through a lot of hoops, a lot of things we need to do to attain what we call AHA status, AHA certification. So much so that only about, they say 14 or 15% of small animal hospitals in North America, that includes Canada, US and Canada are AHA certified. So not easy. uh, And it's not easy. And it's uh, also kind of expensive. But you know what? Well worth it. Anyway, so they have the news brief and then the aha news stat. Some of the things that I saw that, I, that kind of catch my attention. I like to give you stories, things that, are, that can apply to many of us. So this one applies to many. So many, 163 cases in 43 states. And that is salmonella because of backyard chickens. So it's a big problem. We don't want you to kiss or cuddle up with the chickens. Uh, Be careful when you feed them. Don't stick your hands in your mouth. Um, They recommend having some sanitizers nearby. Wash your hands after handling them. It is highly contagious. It is spread easily. So um, that's something you really want to be careful about. Hey, let's face it. They're really cute. I was actually walking my dogs here in my neighborhood. This is pretty urban where I am nothing country or farm about where I live. And um, I'm talking to this guy, he's with his three kids and um, they're petting my dogs and they have a dog too with them. And then the little little girl says, and we have also, we have eight chickens. I'm thinking to myself, "Uh uh-oh, I may not come over to your house. So they have them for the eggs, but salmonella is a real concern. We want you to be very careful. A lot of steps you can take to make sure that you at least can stay safe. So this is something that it's so interesting. And I read the story and I I had to chuckle. I do a fair amount of consulting work and spokesperson work. And I was working with one of the major food companies 
and they are evaluating a new line. I'm there with my friend and colleague, Dr. Ernie Ward out of North Carolina. In fact, Ernie's here on, on the next story, a little something I'm going to mention. And um, we are sitting at a table. We're all introducing ourselves to each other. And there's a woman there who comes from the human, okay, nutrition and marketing side. Wait a second. We're talking pet food here. So why is she there? Well, I seem to find out, and this is a number of years ago, that she was there because they know that in the call-outs, when they're developing a food, they need to do things that makes the owner want to buy it. To heck with the dog who's going to eat it. They've got to buy it first. So how do we appeal to the owner? And that's why she was there as far as what to say in the label, what things that would catch an owner's attention. It's kind of like you see a dog food, and this is you know funny, years ago they had a dry food, and um, the actual morsels were shaped like little dog bones and, and, and little animals. It's like, what the heck for? Well, for is because you think the dog really cares. You think the dog's gonna look at that, oh, I'm eating that, it looks like a, no, it's all the owner. It's the, it's the owner's perception of, oh, my doggy would like that. Oh, how cute. So I found it very funny. So here's the story. Consumer personal beliefs influence dog food choices. So for example, okay, let's talk some of the keys. So we have a lot of people now that are into many different dietary things. It's gluten-free, it's ketogenic, it's vegetarian, it's vegan, it's um, organic, et cetera. So of course, people anthropomorphize and they say, well, what's good for me? Obviously it's good for my pet. Well, truth be told, there has been zero, zero evidence, scientific evidence that grains have any deleterious effect on dogs whatsoever. So for you to be want to be grain-free, whatever reason, that's fine. But put, to put that onto your pets and think that, oh, if I want to be grain-free, they should be grain-free too. No, 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 no. And if you have a cat, don't even go there if you're thinking vegetarian. Now, a dog at least is an omnivore and they can live on a non-meat diet. They can get their protein from other sources. Cats are obligate carnivores. And one more time, cats are obligate carnivores. They need meat. So you cannot make your cat a veggie. If you want to be a veggie and you want to get your dog to be a veggie, here's what I say. Do the taste test. Come on, really. You can still be vegetarian. You can be vegan. You can be ketogenic. You can be grain-free, whatever. You can do organic, whatever you want. But if you take that big plate of meat and stick it in front of your dog and you take that plate of veggies and legumes and whatever you want to, that you want to eat and stick that in front of your dog and let him loose, see which one he goes after. That's how you're going to know what's good for your dog. Because as I always say, when people say, is so-and-so food good? I said, the first thing is they have to eat it, regardless of how good it is for you or whatever the ingredients are. If they don't eat it, it's not so good. All right. Then they have good poops. Yeah. Good. How about lots of energy? Yeah. Nice shiny coat. Yeah. Well, then that's fine. That's all you can ask for. So don't overthink this. You can still eat the way you want, but let your dogs eat what they like what's good for them, and grain-free is not as good for them. In fact, as many of you know, and no one's really come up with the exact reason for it, but cases of cardiomyopathy in dogs have increased since these grain-free diets are out, and, a, and the majority of these cases are on grain-free diets. So whatever the link is, it's just clearly there. Okay, next up. Canine distemper cases rising in Phoenix. So if you live in the Phoenix area and you, your dog is not up to date on vaccines, do not, I repeat, do not take them to any kind of daycare, public park where a lot of dogs are running around. 
It's just not worth the risk. It can be contact with obviously infected dogs or other animals. Skunks, raccoons carry canine distemper. It could be food bowls. It could be water bowls, water dishes. So again, you want to be really careful. So as with dogs, we're finding out that positive training techniques, positive reward actually is good for cats too. That's a kind of a gimme. We know that, but they're finding out that if you try to be like manhandle your cat for doing something bad, even if it's really bad, and whether you scruff them by the neck or you, you know, make a loud sound, whatever, things that freak them out actually could have, can have a deleterious effect. And it, it turns out that that might increase aggression towards other cats and you, of course. So again, you want to be, um, you know, think twice about that. So don't go nuts. Ooh, this was good too. So there's a test out here now for cancer. And I'm just trying to look at the name here. It is put out by a company called PetDX, and it's the Onco Canine, Onco Oncology. Oncology meaning, you know, that's that's cancer. So it's the Onco Canine blood test. And they're testing it in this. I don't know why, but because I'm not a big fan of these kinds of places, but Petco was competing with PetSmart. PetSmart had VetSmart. VetSmart turned into Banfield. Um, don't get me started. It's not going to be a nice conversation about how I feel about Banfield. But now, in order to, to do the same thing, Petco is having their own Petco clinics, and many of them within the store, or you have to have a separate entry. There's so many rules and regulations. I still think it's crazy, but it is what it is. Anyway, because it's a controlled group that they can really keep tabs on, they are starting their testing at these Petco clinics, mostly for older dogs, seniors, uh, and dogs that are infirm or where there might be some suspicion that there could be cancer causing the problem. Now, they didn't get into specifics in this little note. So whether or not it's, is it for a specific kind of cancer? Is it just for lymphoma? Is it for sarcomas? Is it carcinomas? Which type? I mean, there are so many different cancers as with dogs, just as with people. So I just don't know enough about it, but just the fact that there may be an extra screening test that could be helpful in coming up with a diagnosis, I think that in of itself makes me kind of happy. And uh, oh, we've known obviously the dogs have their amazing smell and how latest research on dogs being able to detect COVID through smell. This is great. Let's look at this. As accurate as the PCR test. I mean, that's the polymerase chain reactive test. That's amazing when you think about it. So why get a blood test? Just take your dog. And now, so we know that, that they can detect this scent in urine and saliva. I think most people are, are going for the saliva part. <laughs> can you imagine going into a, like a, a venue, like a, a sports arena? <laughs> Could you please pee in this little jar so the dogs can smell it to test you, make sure you don't have COVID? So saliva, I think, is a thing. But now they're training dogs to detect it in perspiration. So uh, that's another good way. Anyway, uh, one or two more stories that we're going to talk about as we're getting close to warm weather. Here it's been in the 80s. I know in many parts of the country it's starting to warm up. And uh, today I'm doing a piece on one of our local news, KTLA Channel 5, about getting ready for the summer heat, steps you need to take, precautions, etc. So when we come back, I'm going to share that same information with you. So don't go away. See you in a minute. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. 
It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. And uh, just before the break, we uh, a little tease about summertime. I want to get there in one second. One last little tidbit of information that might help some of you. All right. A lot of controversy about peanut butter. I know a lot of you use peanut butter as a treat. It helps you medicate. Dogs like, like it so much. Some people get a kick out of videotaping their dog. When you put peanut butter in their mouth as they're starting to get it off the roof of their mouth for 20 minutes. So peanut butter generally is okay in moderation. Well, you need to be careful only because it is very fattening, but more importantly, that you need to look at the label because some peanut butters now, they have all sorts of fancy combinations. You know, they, you can get like the peanut butter cup type thing. They have a little chocolate in it. That could be dangerous. Macadamia nuts, very fatty. I mean, peanut butter itself has a lot of fat content, but macadamia is even more so. You want to be very careful. Pancreatitis from macadamia nuts. But the real killer, and I mean this literally, the real killer is xylitol. And xylitol is an artificial sweetener that is extremely toxic to dogs, of course. And um, you see it in sugarless gum, you see it in sugarless mints, and sugarless this, sugarless that, and in sugarless peanut butter. They use it as the artificial sweetener. So it might say on the label, no sugar. Yeah, it doesn't have sugar. Ah, read the label, but it has xylitol. So you want to be very careful and make sure if you're going to use peanut butter, get good old-fashioned, pure peanut butter. And uh, you want to get something organic, you get your organic in peanut butter. But uh, just make sure it doesn't have any uh, artificial sweeteners in it. So summertime, it's getting warm. For some of you, maybe not warm enough, but we're in May already. I mean, come on. And, uh, next month is, is the start of summer. In fact, less than a full month away, it's going to be summertime. So um, let's talk some basically tips. The tips are this. First of all, flea and tick and heartworm, because a lot of places where heartworm is not year round, we do see it more during the spring and summer because of um, uh, mosquitoes. So the mosquito population rises, so does heartworm, and of course, fleas and ticks. I mean, again, there may be some parts of the country where fleas are pretty much year-round. Here, we don't really see much during the winter, but we definitely see them. I'm already seeing them. Dogs are coming in, scratching. You know, it's, it's pretty bad. So whatever you want to start. Now, I don't like to blast companies. Well, maybe I do. But anyway, you need to talk to your veterinarian. Let's leave it at that. There are many choices out there now over-the-counter choices 
I will just say, I'm not going to mention by name. I will mention by active ingredient. Now, these are the two active ingredients that were amazing years ago. And I mean years ago and for many years, but not for 18 or 20 years. And that's how long it's been because the fleas develop resistance. So if you want to find a product, if it has fipronil or it has imidacloprid, it's totally safe. You're not going to hurt anything, but it's not going to hurt the flea either. So you might want to reconsider. And it's no fault of the product itself, the chemical. It's the fault of the fleas now building resistance to these things because they've been on the market for so long. So imidacloprid, fipronil products, I would not say are not effective, may not be effective. How's that? Safe way to say it. You need to talk to your veterinarian. The new class of meds, of medications that are extremely effective, all right, the isoxazolines. The isoxazolines, the new things, they're only available through prescription, but you can get them online. You just got to get approval from your vet. So you can go to, you know, Vets First Choice, which is one I like. You can go to Chewy, Pet Meds, whatever. Alivet, I'm, you know, okaying requests all the time. So it's the isoxazolines. There are four of them out there. Uh, since I'm going to mention all four, I don't have any preference. You have Semperica, Credilio, Nexgard, and Brevecto. So it's Brevecto, Nexgard, Semperica, Credilio, all very, very effective, very safe. They do have a warning, however, that if a dog has does have or has had issues with seizures, the isoxazolines might induce or predispose to more seizing. It doesn't cause seizures, but they do potentially potentiate the possible effect of a dog who already has seizures or has had seizures. So summer cut, people want to get their dog shaven down for the summer. Great idea. No, not so fast, Charlie. It's not such a great idea. A dog's coat is kind of, think of it this way, like a thermos, all right? It's insulation. So when it's very cold outside, like during the winter, that coat protects them from the cold. But when it's very hot, that coat protects them from the heat. It doesn't add to the heat. Now, when should you consider it? Well, if the coat is very, very matted, okay, then you might have to do some shaving or clipping. If there's severe skin allergy, you might have to do some shaving or clipping. If you all want to shave down, I would not shave down like the lion's cut. I would maybe do like a puppy cut. Leave some of that hair. That hair is very important. But also, if your dog is a long-haired dog, you know, like a Malamute, a Samoyed, for example, a Chow Chow, you need to, to really brush it well because if the hair is not healthy, then it's not going to function as it is supposed to. But don't run to get there. Shave them down for the summer. If you're going to change diet, be very careful. A lot of dogs um, are okay with eating some of the summer snacks like fruits. Um, but again, anytime you give a dog too much of something too fast, new, even though it is safe in of itself, it can cause diarrhea. So deal with that. Uh, let's see. When to exercise your pets. All right. Be very, very careful. And the hotter it gets, the more important this is. Very early morning or very late in the evening, you do not want to exercise them. Any kind of exertion in the middle of a hot day, that can lead to heat stroke. Heat stroke could be fatal. Uh, make sure you carry some water along with you. You might want to just uh, hydrate them well. You can maybe spray their coat down with some, some cold water. If it's a big dog, you can hose them down before you, I mean, not dripping wet, but many things do to, to help protect them from the heat. One last thing, in the evening, even though the sun could be down, asphalt, especially black asphalt, retains heat for quite a while, hours even after the sun goes down. So don't think that, okay, we, I mean, it's okay from the perspective of overheating temperature-wise, but you got to watch their pads. So you might want to put little booties on them, okay? And that's important. Now, if you have a pool, make sure that you have 
some pet protection around the pool. My Labrador will swim like 24-7 if he can. He doesn't know when to get out. He's, he's, he's super nice. He's really cute. He's just not that smart. So you got to be really careful. They don't know when to quit. They love it. So have a baby gate. And if your dog is not pool safe yet, make sure make sure. I mean, my daughter just got a new little puppy and we're going to start having him swim. He's now 12 weeks old. In fact, I'm giving his 12-week shots today, but get them used to the pool slowly. Speaking of pools, if you take your dog to the beach, bring some fresh water with you. If dogs like to swim in the ocean, and many do, including mine, uh, well, at least my Labrador, they have a tendency to drink that water. That salt water could be dangerous. You do not want them drinking salt water. So uh, make sure to bring some water along with you, even if they're not running around, just to, they're going to get thirsty just because the heat. So um, anyway, that's very important. Cars, be really careful about this. People think, oh no, I'm just, I'm just running in for a minute or I'm, no, I'm parking in the shade or it does, I'm leaving the windows cracked. No, a car with a panting dog in there is like a steam room. I did this and I mentioned this many times on air is that uh, when I was back in the day, I was doing, uh, I was the vet for the home show on ABC hosted by Gary Collins and Gary and I did a, a little test. We took a car, cracked the windows, put one of those like outdoor pool thermometers in it and measured it, did time-lapse photography in the shade without a dog in it, without a dog. It's even worse with a dog because dogs are panting. And I'll explain what goes on there in a minute. And within 14 minutes, all right, the temperature reached 110 degrees. That is way too hot. So now when you add that, you know, we're, our body temperature is what, 98.6. And dog is about 100.5 to 102.5. Let's say 101. Let's keep it average, okay? So when they are panting, all right, the exhale, put your hand in front of a dog who's panting outside, and that stuff coming out is hot. So the thing is, though, now that hot air is not dissipating into the environment, to the atmosphere, it's locked into this car. So think how much faster with an animal in there who starts getting anxious and starts panting, even though the original panting was not for heat. It was just because of anxiety because they're being left alone in a car while you're running in for 10 minutes or five minutes, which turns out to be 20. And you can see how fast it can get really, really hot there. So very, very important. So uh, you want to be really careful outside. Make sure they have access to water. Make sure they have shade. Shade's more important. It's very important as far as the hot sun too. So they seem to do better. And uh, make sure that the water supply, what I like to also do, I recommend anyway, is you could take a water bowl and you don't want them lapping up a lot of water at once anyway. So you take a water bowl, fill it about three quarters, stick it in the freezer overnight. It becomes a big block of ice. Okay. Then when in the morning, you can put a little bit of water on top of the ice block, but the ice will slowly melt. So two things. Number one, it'll add some weight to the bowl. Number two, the water will always be cold, nice and cool, but they can't drink it that fast because unless they let the whole thing melt all at once and don't drink any water. But anyway, that's a good thing. Another really cute trick to do. If you are, if a dog is outside on a grassy area, I love this one and like to play with their water bowl. Like if, especially if young dogs or lots of dogs and they're running around and you come home and the water bowl is upside down and how much water do they get? You take like a wooden dowel, half inch, whatever, and width, and you bang it into the ground. Okay. Then you take a bunt pan, like you're making a bunt cake with a hole in the center and you fill the water and then you slide it over the dowel sticking up out of the ground. And now that anchors the bowl. So they cannot knock it over. And uh, yet they have the water in there to drink. So just a little uh, Dr. Jeff hack. And last thing, make sure a little plug here that you, uh, for emergencies, for any of these things that problem that you have air vet downloaded on your phones so you can reach a vet 
literally within one to three minutes anywhere in the country to help you. We have about 5,000 vets on the platform. You should always have that handy uh, or at the very least have your, if you're hiking, make sure that you have access. And also watch those when you're hiking, watch the rattlesnakes. That is a problem. If you are hiking in areas where there are rattlesnakes, make sure that you know your closest emergency hospital that has the anti-venom. I've already had just this year alone here, springtime, not even summer yet. And I've had three cases. And it's also a rattlesnake vaccine, so that's good protection. So there you have it. I have a very safe summer. We'll be here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And if you have any questions, anything you want me to talk about, any subject that you're dealing with your pet and would like a little bit more information, please feel free to contact me here at Pet Life Radio. Just real easy, drjeff at petliferadio.com. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.